Asbury, Methodist Village, and Montgomery County take senior living to the next level, creating extraordinary opportunities for a fulfilling future. Work your brain and body in our new wellness center. Stroll our expansive campus and 17-acre nature preserve. Stay sharp with our resident-run college and find so many new ways to get involved and make a difference for others. Anticipate more from your retirement. Visit asburymethodistvillage.org today. Your future's here. Equal opportunity housing provider. Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. Welcome into episode 179 of the Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross, and with me, as usual, is my 80 great co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, how's it going, bud? Pretty good. Pretty good. You know, we're experiencing terribly cold weather. I feel like I moved to the Pacific Northwest. It's rained every day, and it's cold, and I just want baseball weather, and I haven't had that. So the good news is it feels like baseball season is closer than ever. We've got a ton of stuff going on as far as, like, content and drafts and so sooner than sooner and later there'll be pitchers and catchers reporting and baseball will be around the corner and i'm really looking forward to that dude i haven't seen the sun in like a week it's i i don't know who pissed off mother nature <laughs> but she is taking out her wrath on us this is we're getting as we're recording this is about 9 p.m eastern time on what's today wednesday yeah wednesday night we're getting our third storm in the last eh, five days or so to the point where like, you know, I did have no school on Friday. Kids had no school on Monday and then had a late arrival on Tuesday. And I'll probably have no school tomorrow. It's insane, dude. Like we didn't have any snow really at all until just this last week or so. And it's like, she's trying to get caught up for all the snow that she didn't give us in December and early January. It's insane. So yeah, I am definitely waiting for warmer weather, waiting for first pitch Florida, in about a, well, about five weeks from now, get down to Florida, talk with people, see some spring training games, and just get baseball weather back and get baseball back so we can get some new data to talk about, new storylines. We're all going off of, obviously, last year's stuff. So it'd be fun to you know, officially flip that page and start getting some new stuff to talk about. But we have plenty to talk about in this episode as well, though. If you missed the last episode, we discussed some former top hitting prospects that have kind of lost their way at the major league level. And we're going to do the same thing now in this episode, but with some pitchers. We had another several dozen, you know, not several dozen, but over a dozen really good submissions. What a fun names. We're going to talk about them as many as we can in this episode. But before we do the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04, and our show's at Toolshed Pod. If you enjoy this podcast, please write and review. Those reviews do mean a lot. Check out my Patreon for more work from me and Chris's Substack for more work from him, including some nice Dynasty ADP upcoming that he's doing the, all these mock drafts for and some points league rankings that he's bringing on Mr. Upper at was at Upper Beck, I believe he is yep. on Twitter. Yep. Yep. So what a lot of fun stuff on both of those platforms. So make sure you check all of that out. We greatly appreciate your support. And lastly, we want to say a quick word about our friends at Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up using the promo code TOOLSHED, you will receive a 100% deposit match up to $100, and that can be used on any of their fun fantasy games, including MLB best balls, individual player pickums across all of their sports, and so much more. I've been using it a lot. It's a lot of fun. Sign up today using the code TOOLSHED at play.underdogfantasy.com slash the letter P-the-toolshed. All right, Chris, let's get right into it here. Again, a lot of submissions. Again, we thank you for everyone that commented on that post. We got a lot more than we thought. 
let's dive right into a pair of Detroit arms here. You know, over the last handful of years, there was really the big three pitching prospects, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, Tariq Skubal. While Skubal is injured, he has, you know, done a lot of good at the major league level. But Casey Mize, Matt Manning, been pretty inconsistent. You know, Mize hasn't been bad. Manning hasn't been terrible, but definitely underperformed expectations. Look at their career numbers here. For Mize, 188 and two-thirds innings, over 39 starts, a 429 ERA, 121 whip. And he's had a K rate under 20% overall. So that's definitely not what we thought of when he was the former number one overall pick. Manning in 30 starts, 148 in the third innings, 479 ERA, though it was 343 last year in a dozen starts, 137 career whip. And again, under 20% K rate for him as well. So really just underwhelming, I think is the best word to describe both these guys. If you were looking, you know, to maybe acquire either of these guys, who would it be in Dynasty Leagues, Chris? Or are you just out on both these guys at this point? I might be willing to take a shot on Matt Manning. He had at least decent numbers last year when he when he pitched, and we can't really say the same for Mize. Mize just hasn't been really good at all. But with Manning, there's at least some interesting aspects to his game. Like he's he's put up decent ratios, surprisingly, like given the really low strikeout rate, he gets like no swing and misses, which is just bizarre. But in 12 starts last year at a three, four, three ERA, it could have been, you know, Babbitt fueled from running a really low Babbitt and high strain rate, but the swinging strike rate was improved from 2021. And I do believe that Manning has better stuff. And golly, it's neither of them stuff is that great. But you know, Manning just uses the four seamer too much, I think, and it, it really hurts. You know, pretty much everything about his game. So the four seamer is used fifty one percent of the time. It's a f- okay pitch, doesn't miss bats. Like surprise, surprise, he does throw it for strikes a lot, which is good. Like that's an encur- encouraging characteristic there that he is at least throwing it for strikes, but. I don't know, man. Just in general, it's like like both these guys are just been so frustrating and failed to live up to like every bit of hype that we thought they would have. Yeah, and, and what's weird for me too is I saw these guys back to back in Double A back in 2019, and the just the arsenal that they show now is just completely different from the arsenal they showed back then in terms of they've added pitches, taking pitches away, and obviously, obviously, I know you know arsenals can evolve, but it's weird that you know what I saw them my his best pitch was a splitter, very good splitter, and Manning's was his curveball. And it was easily a plus pitch. Both were easily plus pitches in my in my eyes. And they've really not used those pitches at all, or at least not as much as they probably should have. And I, I wonder just what's the what was the decision behind that? What's the philosophy? It's, it seems like these become completely different guys over the last three seasons. To the point where you look at Matt Manning, he only used the curveball. Let's see, what was it last year's? 10.5% of the time was his third most used pitch. He used a slider more than that in his rookie year in 2021. It was his least use of five pitches. <laughs> right. He had a four seamer was about 41% of the time. And then sinker 19 and a half percent slider, 15% change up a little under 13. And the curveball was fifth and it had, you know, 175 batting average against, but wasn't getting the whiffs on it. I don't know if he just lost you know, a feel for it. Cause it was a big swing and miss offering. Like in that one start I saw, obviously it's one start, but it really, backed up in video I saw of him back then in the minors too. Like when he wanted to go for the strikeout more often than not, especially against righties, he was going to that curveball. Now he throws a slider more often. It's just weird. And same thing with Mize. He doesn't throw that splitter much at all. Again, that was his out pitch when I saw him as well. And in 2020, he used it 18% of the time, fourth most used offering that year. 2021 was 13% of the time. And again, fourth most used offering. He added the cutter, took the cutter away, Use a sinker primarily in 2020. Didn't use it at all last year. It's just, I I, th- I feel like they're struggling to find out who they are. And I don't. This was something they decided. Something Detroit decided. But the fact that they both kind of have this weird change in arsenals over the last couple of years makes me think that maybe it was a, a Detroit thing and not just an individual. You know, Mize deciding it and Manning deciding it. But whatever the reason was. It hasn't really been working. Again, like we, we both kind of said, they haven't been terrible, but been very underwhelming for two guys that were considered easily top 10 pitching prospects and in some cases top five, depending on where you looked. 
I had Matt Manning as high as I think my number three or four pitching prospect at one point. Mine's a little lower than that, but still top 10. And they just hit, get hit too hard and still miss enough bats. So for fantasy purposes, if they don't start missing more bats, you know, under 20% K rate with middling, you know, ERA and whip is going to put you only in streamer territory against, you know, bad teams. So I'm, I'm not like two feet out the door, but I'm like 1.8 feet out the door on both. Like I'm doing the NFL toe tap drag on the sidelines for both these guys. I'm not really looking to, you know, get any of these guys right now. Scooball. Sure. He's just coming off injury. I still like Scooball a bit, but obviously he's showing a lot more success and a lot more fantasy success than these two have. But I'm mostly out the door on those two guys. Unless they're like free. That's the only way I'll kind of look to, to acquire these guys in dynasty right now. Next name on the list here, Forrest Whitley. Oh, Lord, where do we even begin <laughs> with Forrest Whitley? And, you know, everybody that, uh, you know, it's funny, whenever I'm sure you can attest to this too, Chris, whenever I post any type of rankings, whether it's mostly my pitching prospect rankings, I get like five people that are like, pin step, pin step. And yep. yeah, I get it. You know, the, you know, there's a lot more risk with these pitching prospects. And we've seen like the last two number one guys before, you know, this current, you know, whether it's G Rod or Painter, like, so it was Whitley. And then it was, of course, I'm blanking. Who was the number one before Whitley that didn't Gore. work out? Gore. Well, Gore. Okay, well, Gore did work out a little bit. But for the most part, they had a lot of hype. And then they kind of fell flat on their face, Whitley especially. You know, Gore did have a little bit of success. But Whitley is still, like, we're still wondering, does he ever even have any impact in the major leagues? And he's now 25 years old. He'll be 26 in September. So at this point, it's not like he's 22 and still, you know, figuring it out like he's had a lot of poor performance a lot of missed time due to injuries which has caused a lot of mechanical issues and command issues and just strike throwing issues at this point i mean it still could potentially be a, you know fun stuff like he's still got some good stuff but he just has no way to harness it and he can't stay on the mound long enough to show it so i'm i'm 100 out on whitley maybe he's could be a, some part a reliever for Houston, but not one that's pitching, you know, high leverage innings. I don't see really see any path to him being fantasy relevant, unfortunately. So I'm out. Do you have any any hope left, Chris? Mm, not really. I mean, I'm just looking at the profile and trying to figure out what hope there is left to have. And even, you know, last year, God was just atrocious and he pitched the complex level low A and triple A. And he had a 709 ERA and triple A in 33 innings. So I don't know. I, I wonder how much of this is just mental for him at this point, like just completely just lost every bit of confidence. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. It's, I don't know. It's, it, there's just so many different things that are going on here that I have zero faith. And I would say it's not an issue with the Astros pitching development because look at all the other arms they've developed over the years and they've done extremely well there. So you can't say that when you with Hunter Brown's really emerged. I mean, you name it with Framber, you know, Jose Arquiti, even like those guys have developed from like being nothings to to what they are now. And then you have Whitley who had it all, like had all the intangibles and just completely, completely lost it. You can even yeah. go with Luis Garcia and Christian Javier. Like the list goes on, like they're doing something right, but something just ain't right with Whitley. I know that. So <laughs> Yeah, and like you look back, like the last time he was even remotely good was 2018 in Double A. Last time he was like really good was 2017. To put it in perspective, let's go back to 2017. All the you go back two episodes to an international episode we talked about all the international signees. These guys were like 10 years old the last time Whitley was good. So this shows you how long it's been. 2017, 2018. That's a long, long time. Five. That's half a decade at least since he's been good and. The last, you know, last year, 653 ERA, 799 back in 2019, and he missed all that time with with injury. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% now. I, I have no desire to roster him anywhere right now. Next name on the list, Daniel Lynch. There was a lot of people asking about Daniel Lynch, which kind of surprised me a bit, but he's another one where Kansas City has done a pretty solid job with developing hitters. Obviously, they've, you know, had that big, crop of hitters come out around the same time back in 2015 or so they went to back-to-back world series including winning one which is still kind of weird to me i just can't picture them winning the world series but and then obviously recently with with Vinny and with wit and others but pitching last you know half century half century half decade or so 
has not been great. You know, Jackson Kowar has been terrible. Daniel Lynch has been maybe not terrible, but definitely not good. 27 career starts, or no, last year, 27 starts, 513 ERA. Overall, 42 starts, 532 ERA. Gets hit way too hard. Doesn't miss enough bats. It's another one where you look at the profile, and I don't see a lot of hope. The four-seamer gets hit too much. He doesn't have that go-to. The slider's been, even that, the slider was his best whiff rate offering, 33% this past year. But at the same time, it had a 273 batting average against, 522 slug, 370 Woba, and 10 home runs allowed. That's not good for a slider. For 10 home runs allowed on a slider, that's not very good. Change-up was okay, and curveball and sinker, seldom used, but they both stunk. So it's more so four-seamer slider change-up mix that he uses about 92% of the time. And none of them are good. I just, I don't see him really having more than you know, any additional success. Like there's nothing in the profile. I don't know. Do you see anything, Chris, that gives you any hope? Because I, I see a mediocre pitcher that'll probably always be mediocre. And that's it. Yeah. I do wonder like Kansas City has a completely like new regime in the, in the coaching staff. And I wonder if that has any effect. Now, there were some, horrific issues i think going on within the organization especially with pitching i mean look at all as you mentioned all the failed pitchers and pitching prospects that have come through there is there hope i don't know maybe a glimmer i actually was kind of out until i was reading baseball america had a similar thing it was like scouts takes on like former top prospects and it was interesting because that like that dropped like the day we dropped our pod about the hitters i know it was, it was so funny anyway timing. Yeah, Daniel Lynch was on there, and I was reading, and I was like, okay, like, and they actually discussed like the turmoil within the, and, like he, they basically said it's a consistency issue, and there was no voice in the room that held the pitchers accountable, and basically they said, I think we can all agree the Royals' whole pitching dynamic from top to bottom was a disaster and yep. not a healthy environment for anybody trying to figure out things at the big league level. So, I still think there's a chance. I'm not going to say that like I think he's going to be like a stud, but it's always he's had an interesting profile, and maybe there's a shot that he does bounce back. But bounce back to what? Yeah, that, that's really the, that's sure. the question. Yeah. Hey, MIAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MIAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the MIAction with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MIAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Yeah, I think you got it. That's we got to answer. So yeah, it, it was funny too. You'll get similar pictures to Daniel Lynch based on velocity and movement, Monsavant, and a couple of them were 2021 Tariq Skubal, 2022 David Peterson, and 2022 Mackenzie Gore, along with 2022 Taylor Hearn and 2022 Kirk McCarty. <laughs> Show of hands, who knows even knows who Kirk McCarty is out there? Nope. <laughs> but he was a reliever for the for the Guardians. So, but this is yeah, it's a, kind of a funny mix of arms there, but. Yeah, I just I, I hope so because that I want to see Kansas City be good. I, I like in these small market teams, you know, have a little bit of success, and if they can figure out the pitching somehow, some way, whether it's internally, obviously that's start there, but you know, getting some guys in as well, then they could be another you know pretty fun team. They, they're starting to build that offense, so you'll see if they can do it on the pitching side of things. But yeah, with these guys Lynch and Kowar and and Bubich and all them, I'm just kind of starting to lose hope. And yeah, maybe the new regime helps, but, and hopefully it does because. I could see them kind of ruining both, you know, Frank Mazzucato and Ben Caderna, who we both kind of liked the stuff when we saw them, but who knows how they developed. But right. hopefully, they, hopefully this new new regime can, can kind of get those two guys in the right course and, and, and other guys in that system. But we'll see. You know, Asa Lacey already has been ruined, I think. I think he's completely – as far as was like the big three in that draft class. You know, it was Hancock, it was Meyer, and it was Lacey. You know, you saw various orders of the three – you know, depending what, what rankings you look and what analysts you, you just talk to. But, you know, Meyer obviously was, was doing great. Then he had the injury. Hancock's been like, okay. And then Lacey just completely fell off a cliff and just not even – I could rank 800 prospects. He'd probably even be in my 800. It's like he's that far off the list. It's not even, like, remotely close anymore. But 
All right, next here, we have a lot more names here. Josiah Gray, here's one with a little bit more major league experience and one that I've always been really intrigued by, Josiah Gray, because you look at he's got good secondaries. Just a fastball has done him in. You look at last year, 28 starts, 502 ERA, 136 whip across 140 and two-thirds innings, and XERA was 425, 23.7% K rate, 102 percent walk rate look at the slider and the curveball he also has a sinker and change up but that those combined for six and a half percent usage rate so i'm not even including those but the slider 189 batting average against 316 slug 38 percent whiff curveball 185 326 and 32 percent so whiff rates aren't super high on them but very effective pitches but the four seamer which he throws 39 percent of the time 304 batting average against 738 slug 738 that's hard to do 738 slug you allow 24 home runs in 234 plate appearances on the four seamer that's insane so 479 will but that's these are insane numbers here so it doesn't matter how good the the breaking stuff is if that fastball does not improve like immensely he's not gonna ever be anything more than what he is a guy that gets his a solid k rate but Ray and Whip are going to be crap because he, you know, also walks ten percent of the guys too. So I still have some hope just because if he can fix a fastball, I think he could turn into something decent. But that's a big thing to kind of fix that he has to work on. Yeah, it's not good at all. Like, just look across the board, and I don't like much of anything that I see. So the interesting thing is he somehow grades out fairly decent when it comes to like not allowing much hard contact. I'm not really sure how, given the amount of home runs that he gives up, but the fastball is just not good. Honestly, like if I'm the Nats, I'm telling him to never throw the four-seamer again and just throw sinkers and try to get the ball on the ground because his location is all over the place with the four-seam. And as you, the stats you read, I mean, it just gets hammered. He gets no swings and misses. So who cares if he switches to the sinker because he's not getting swing and misses with the four seam either, which obviously is is hurting him. And just across the board, like not good numbers at all. Like the just the the shape of it. Like I'm watching. It's just I don't know. It's not a good shape on it. Nothing just sticks out. Like it's just not a good pitch at all. So I, if I were him, like I would ditch it completely and just like hope that you know the sinker works out but i don't know if they're going to actually do that so at the end of the day i just I'm pretty out on josiah gray i have concerns about the nats pitching development too which there's other arms there that are to that's, be concerned yeah, about that's true but i mean they just really haven't developed guys so i don't know i mean gray doesn't throw enough strikes for one like he's you know just with a lot of his pitches just low strike percentages again i go back to i think the sinker is one of his better pitches just use it more ditch the four seam and see where it takes you but who knows i'm i am out on him i will say and it's funny too because he did drop the four seamer usage about 12 and a half percent from 2021 to 2022 but that was not in favor of more sinkers as in favor of more breaking balls the sinker which he did incorporate into the mix that he did not throw in 2021 but it was only 3.7 percent of the time so I don't know. Maybe that's something I would love to see like a completely, you know, revitalized arsenal here with Gray in 2023. We'll see. But yeah, that's a good point, though. Like the Nationals, they're almost like the Angels of the East, right? Or the East part of the of the country because they've had they've they've had one superstar that they developed. The Angels to develop Otani. Let's just throw him out. Trout, obviously, there. Then Soto. And they've had a lot of money, and obviously Denats won one, but they've really almost under ex- underperformed expectations given the money that they each team has. But out, outside of the one huge, huge hit that each franchise had with Soto and Trout, for the most part, it's been a lot of failed prospects, a lot of under underachievers. Look at the Nats, a Carter Keyboom, Victor Robles. Yeah, the list goes on and on with, with, with this team too. So, yeah, it's another one where – Something that it's hard to really, unless you dig into it, it like, there's no like farm system rankings out there to, or the development rankings. You really got to kind of dig into it yourself to figure this out. But it's something I've learned more and more. I'm like, all right, this org does well with pitchers or hitters or doesn't do well or doesn't do well in general. And that makes me think twice about ranking 
you know, a prospect highly that I thought might be ranked higher in a different org. So something that's definitely factored into my rankings and analysis a lot more, you know, every, every year that I learn more and more about this. And the Nats just aren't one of the, the better teams, unfortunately. They've had a lot of fun prospects. They have a lot of fun prospects now. So I'm hoping that they, they don't ruin, you know, James Wood and, and Robert Hassel and Jarlin Susana and all, and all these guys, Brady House. Let's just hope that the trend stops now and they can these guys can turn into something because there's a lot of fun prospects in this org that I just don't want them to screw up, so to speak. Speaking of a screwed up prospect, Nate Pearson, <laughs> guy that I was super high on for many, many years. Saw him live a couple of times. Like, I was like this guy's going to be a dude, but... He has not been able to stay healthy for one, which is obviously half the battle. And when he's been on the mound, it just hasn't been consistent success to the point where it's like a 99.9% chance that he's just a reliever long-term. But I guess the question now is, if we're kind of getting the, st- the starter thing off the board here, do we think that he can find success for fantasy purposes as a reliever? Can he pitch late inning, get some holds, get some saves? We'll see. I think that still could happen if he can – really, you know, start to focus on relieving and, you know, what does Arsenal could look like there? Probably just goes fastball slider. But, Chris, do you think that as a reliever, Pearson can carve out any fantasy value here moving forward? Yeah, I do think he could actually be a elite closer. I think he kind of has the recipe for success that you're looking for out of a closer with a, a big fastball and, and a slider as well. So I'm – very intrigued by him. If they do just put him in the bullpen, I think the stuff plays up significantly there. And I think there's there's good use for him. I mean, we're talking a, a fastball that consistently up in the like you know 98 miles an hour blows it by. And then also the slider gets a ton of whiffs. It's an upper 80s slider. Really good characteristics to it. But I'm just not sure that Pearson is durable enough to be a starter. So I'd rather him go to good use, and I think he's got closer stuff. So I'm intrigued if they can develop him as a closer. That would be amazing. I think he'd be an upper-tier closer, personally. Oh, I, I 100% agree. Like The fastball slider is a very good – he, he he gets whiffs with the fastball. He locates it up in the zone. He's got good finishing action to it. Well, last year's the command was actually all over the place last year. So, But when he is locating it up in the zone, that's where he's really at his best – slider is like i said it was a 70 degree slider back in the day i still believe that can be the case it's a very sharp two plane break and he throws it to both lefties and righties usually committed it well last year was a little again last year the control and command in general was just pretty wonky but he's had about a 16 percent k walk rate in both years so far so i think if he can just get healthy get all those injuries behind him. It's a myriad of injuries. It's not like one recurring thing. It's been multiple things. Illnesses too. Like It's been one thing after another, a laundry list of issues for Nate Pearson. But I do agree that I think he could be as a, with a fastball slider that he can both miss bats at a high clip for those respective offerings. He's going to be a pretty damn good reliever if he can just stay healthy, but that's half the battle right there. Well, see, he's still only 26 years old. I think I would love to see him come in the spring training healthy, see what he can do this year. Obviously, he won't be pitching, you know, getting high leverage innings this year because, you know, Jordan Romano is there, you know, barring an injury to him. We don't, I don't see any fantasy value for Pearson this year, but in Dynasty Leagues, if you can just trade a low-level prospect for him, I'd be okay doing that just to see if he can turn into that, you know, elite reliever that we think he could be. Next name here, well, I put Josiah Gray on twice. No, we already talked about him. <laughs> Mackenzie Gore, who we alluded to earlier. It's been, a, I guess, a roller coaster ride is the best way to describe the career of Gore in general. Former number one overall pitching prospect, number three overall pick in 2017. Started off high, had a couple you know, rough years, 2019, 2020, but then came back this year for – most of his, you know, first what eight, nine starts, he was really good, and then he yeah. was soaring up rankings. Everyone's like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be a fantasy ace," and he fell off pretty hard. There was an injury again. He's one that he's dealt with some injuries as well. I don't know. I'm I still have a hard time ranking him, Chris. Like I like Gore in general. He walks too many guys from my liking. We've, we've seen too much inconsistencies, you know, with his mechanics month to month, start to start, week to week. I don't, I don't know. He And he got hit hard, too. Like It was almost like, you know, he was getting a bit lucky when he was performing well. Like the metrics didn't back up what he was doing. So I got to wonder, was that just fool's gold and a flash in the pan? Or do you think he can get back to that level? 
I mean, I hope it's legit because I, I kind of bought back in a little bit and was like, I had them actually bought pretty low in some dynasties like preseason and it seemed to pay off for a little bit before it kind of fell off and helped to a huge thing with him. Consistency is a huge thing with him too. And that's kind of what we haven't seen. It's just the consistency. As you mentioned, like the inconsistency with his command, the inconsistency with his delivery, pretty much everything across the board that's concerning about Gore. And I just wonder, like, can he bounce back? Like you mentioned, some of the stuff was concerning despite, you know, the solid performance for a bit. I mean, he was good for a little while. I am interested, though, because, like, looking at his profile, it's funny who shows up here, similar based on velo and movement, Daniel Lynch, but also uh, two pitchers, Blake Snell and Carlos Rodon, kind of interests me when I see that. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think Gore's fastball just has to be a bit better and more consistent if he's going to use it 60% of the time. That's he, he was billed as like this really high-end four-pitch guy coming out of high school. And we haven't really seen that to the full extent. The, there's just some inconsistencies with release points and extension. Like, I don't know. Like those things do matter. And I think we need to see more consistency. Now, the encouraging thing is you look and you see. 30% whiff rate or higher on the curve slider and the change. The change up seldom thrown, but still, like those pitches can be really good. And I think he just needs to find a way to sequence his pitches better. He doesn't sequence well. He's got decent stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like really hard to know who he's going to be. But right. he's still 23, so I'm willing to take a shot on him. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm definitely still like partially in on Gore. It's because like, like you mentioned, the the stuff is really good, especially the secondaries. But the fastball is kind of mediocre. I mean, he doesn't give up a lot of home runs, which which is a good thing. I would like to see that changeup even more. I think it's a pretty solid changeup from what I've seen. But the command on both his breakers this year was pretty inconsistent. I want to see that improve. Fastball command wasn't terrible i want to see him get the ball out of the heart of the zone a bit more i think he lived too much in the heart of the zone and that that hurt him a bit but he, he got hit really hard 45.4 percent hard hit rate again walk rate was 12 percent. so i think there's a path to him being a you know a good but not great starter so if you can get him on on a buy low right now i wouldn't be opposed to that but i'm at the same time i'm not expecting him to turn into what we thought gore could be i think we have to temper expectations a good bit maybe he could be what do you, th- you think he could be like a top 50 back end top 50 fantasy arm, Chris? You think that's fair moving forward? Yeah, that's probably a fair, fair mark. I'm not going too high on expectations, but like yeah. you said, I think that's kind of the mark that you're looking for. And I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's like in a 15 teamer, he'd be a good like SP four. I think that could be yeah. a, a path for him. So we'll see. I love the stuff and obviously want him to, I, I do have, a, I think I do have one or two shares. Maybe just one share. I got to look on my leagues. I can't keep them straight half the time. Who I have shares of, who I don't. But yeah, Gore, fun stuff, fun picture to watch. So I want to see him do some good things. But we'll see. So this would be a big year for Mackenzie Gore. Like, we'll see. Is early 22 Gore the real guy or is late 22, 22 Gore the real guy? Right. Or somewhere in the. We'll, we'll find out. Go ahead and take a quick break here to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's keep this party rolling here with another former number one overall pitching prospect here. Something a trend. There's a lot of former number one overall pitching prospects here. This one from even further ago, Michael Kopech. You know, it's weird. Kopech, you look at the ratios, they've been okay. Yeah, he's had 73 career outings, 33 career starts, totaling 203 innings, 364 ERA. Yeah, that's fine. 119 whip, again, fine. But last year, especially, let's look at last year. He had a 21.3% K rate, 11.5% walk rate. Like this is a guy in the minor leagues that was just striking out anybody and everybody. You know, big fastball, mid to upper 90s, and then the two good breakers, slider being the better one, also had a good curveball as well. He just hasn't registered the whiff. So you look at last year, slider 21.3% whiff, curveball 24.7% whiff. His best whiff rate offering was actually the fastball at 25.6%, which is pretty good for a four-seamer. But it's just weird to see the lack of swing and miss 
on the curveball and slider. And that part of that could probably go back to his command of each pitch. Slider command is look at it, it's not terrible. It's not great either. Curveball command is not good. The the red spot for his curveball is basically right in the middle of the plate. Hangs those pitches in the slider too. He hangs both. I would love to see him kind of get those a little bit further down in the zone more so. See those whiff rates tick up. So I think he's got the potential to do so with a tweak here because the four seamer has been pretty damn good. So this, he's the one out of all the names we've talked about so far, Chris. He's the one I'm still the most in on right now for dynasty leagues. Yeah, I think that's fair. I feel like Kopex had his fair share of issues off the field with yeah, a variety right. of yep. things, and I just wonder how much that affects like the the pitching. Obviously, the talent's there. We've seen it. But there's you know, little things here and there, and I just wonder like how much like it's affecting. Like he's like there was like he almost quit baseball at one point. Like after he failed a PED testing us, like he literally just wanted to quit. He said like girlfriend issues, like all kind of weird stuff, like baby mama issues. So I don't know. It's it's a strange, you know. I I don't really know. But anyway, with Kopech, I think the talent's on the mound. Maybe he can put that behind him. Hopefully the White Sox can develop that. We've seen them be pretty solid. And so maybe maybe they can develop him. I'm a bit intrigued. He's got to be better with the four seam. Thing as you mentioned, like the velo's there, but he just kind of locates it all over the board. And while he only had a 189 average against it last year, like I actually think that it probably like his numbers were better than they should have been. You know, they got home run happy, leaves it over the plate often. So if he can adjust that, I think there's some potential. But at the end of the day, like he's pretty much a two-pitch guy, and his four-seam's not elite enough where he can get by with just the fastball slider. Like Strider gets by with XD pumps at 98, 99 consistently up in the zone. Kopech doesn't do that. Am I intrigued? Yes. Do I think there's still some bullpen risk? I do. And Oh, absolutely there is, yeah. yeah. So that's that's my concern here. Like, why does someone like Kopech not strike more batters out? And that's also a question. It's like, I feel like he was like such a like big stuff guy in the minors. It really hasn't panned out. And I feel like we should see better K numbers from him. Absolutely. Like one of the pitchers similar to him for velocity and movement is Tyler Glass now. And also Joey Wentz and Matt Barnes, which is weird. And Chase DeJong. But so I never thought I'd see Chase DeJong and Tyler Glass now on the same list, but here we are. But yeah, it, it, again, that's what I've been saying a lot, Chris. Is like, why does he not miss more batters? You look at him, look at what he was in the minor leagues, look at the stuff. Why is he not missing more batters? The like, career K rate is 20, well, 26%, but that was because 2021, it was a huge when he was out of the bullpen. So maybe that's, that's his path. Like maybe he'll be better in the pen and he's kind of, he started every game last year, but previously he was in the pen a lot. Maybe they move him back to the pen. Maybe, you know, this unfortunate stuff with Liam Hendricks and, you know, hopefully Liam can come back strong and kick yep. Cantor's ass. But maybe the, the need for another arm out in that bullpen, maybe he moves out to the bullpen again. Who knows? I want to see how they use him this year. I'm sure he'll probably start to begin the season, but maybe that's a transition that needs to happen because I think he could, I like Pearson. I think he could be a really good late inning reliever if given the opportunity to do so. We'll see, but and then he's the one I'm still more in on him right now out of all these guys. I'm probably Gore and Kopech are the two. I'm still in on the most gray a little bit, but Kopech is very intriguing. And I think with a couple of tweaks, he could get back to maybe not again, not the levels we thought he could, but I think he still could be a, an arm that makes a decent fantasy impact. I'll, I'll say that next name on the list here. Those were the big names. Those are all the ones that had three plus submissions on or replies on that tweet, we have seven more names on the list here, starting with Mitch Keller. He's one of the more polarizing player, or really in general in base fantasy baseball right now. Obviously, Mondesi is a big name, but there's a wide range of opinions on Mitch Keller. And it's weird because he's still only 26 years old. And our good buddy Michael Simeon the other day posted about you know how he had the low ERA in the second half, but at the same time, like. ERA indicators were a lot higher than that, and that's just not nothing against Michael. I'm just kind of pointing this out. And the K minus walk rate is still mediocre, even when he was been going good. He doesn't strike out enough batters. He's right around twenty percent each of the last two years. Walk rate has been you know nine to ten percent. I just he and he did add the sinker in. 
They started using that a bit more, 22% this year. And it was, but, you know, it didn't give up a lot of home runs, obviously, but still had a 303 batting average against on it. So it wasn't like it was a great offering. Four-seamer has always been kind of meh. Doesn't strike out enough guys. Doesn't get enough whiffs with the with the off speed. I don't know. I just don't see. Like, maybe he could be a back-end fantasy arm. But, Chris, are you seeing anything more than a back-end fantasy arm? Do you see any upside to be someone that is, you know, more impactful for fantasy? Good question. I, gosh, I'm not sure exactly what we should expect from this point. And I think we keep feeling like he's going to change, but then he just never does. But I will say, like, he's a grinder, dude. Like, he spends his off-seasons at Tread Athletics and, like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, like he he really works and he he's made adjustments like he added that sinker in midseason and he became like more of a contact management pitcher rather than like a a whiffs pitcher and so i don't know like he changed himself completely so again what should we expect from i, I don't really know but it's just like all these videos, like we see him at driveline and we see him at, you know, any, any place. And it's like easy to get excited about that, but still like until we see the consistent tangible results, I will say it's hard to buy. Cause even with that strong second half that we saw, I mean, he still had like a one, three whip, like that's still right. Pretty high. And I mean, August was a four seventy. It was so, so much inconsistency. Like June was a four ten ERA. July was a, a two, six, one. August was a four seventy. And September, October was 206. Like, I don't really know what's going on here. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not striking guys out. And that's really kind of a big thing. There's a case to be made that there's still some more in, like, a next level for him, I guess. Like, he's 26. Feels like he's been around forever. But, I mean, gosh, I don't know. Like, he's he's going so late. Or it's like, might as well scoop him up. Layton redraft or take a shot on Bilo and Dynasty, even though I'm not sure like I fully believe in buy-in. Yeah, I don't fully believe. Again, if it's cheap enough, fine. Like I said, I think he could be a back-end arm, but look at, like I said, the four-seamer has not been good. The slider's been all right, but doesn't get a lot of whiffs. Like there's 206 betting average against, but the whiff rate's actually gone down every year of his career from 48% to 37%, to 30%, to 28%. The curveball last year was not good at all. And was even worse in previous years. 452 batting average against on that in 2021. That's insane for a curveball. That's just not good. So I just, maybe he's a guy that's like, a, you know, maybe a four, low four ERA with a below average K rate. Again, there's a guy that you can get for some depth, I guess, but I just don't see a lot of upside for more in the profile. And it's weird. To, he was drafted back in 2014. That's so long ago, it feels oh. like. But again, he's still only 26 years old. So. Again, I'm not fully out. I just don't see like if, if you're getting him just for what he is, fine. I just don't really see the upside for more moving forward. Next one, Jackson Coar. Oh, Lord, what happened to Jackson Coar, Chris? It's like he was you know, one of the hotter prospect names for for a hot minute there, and then just completely fell flat on his face. See, what's his career ERA? Okay, I want you to guess. It's only 46 innings, Chris. <laughs> what do you think Kowar's career ERA is in the major leagues? Like seven-something. I'll keep going. Well, I think he was like, I don't know. I'm just guessing he was like eight eight last year. I don't know. No idea. So last year in 15 and two-thirds, it was 9.77. Nice. For his career, and again, only 46 innings, 10.76 Oof. with a 220 Oof. whip. That, oh yeah, ten. Wow. You don't often see double-digit ERAs uh, over that long. You look at he just does. He walks way too many guys. Over thirteen percent walk rate. It doesn't strike out enough guys. Like the curve, the breaking ball was what was thought of as his best pitch. It has not been good at all. And really, it was more of a. I don't know if they. I thought it was more of a curveball in the minor leagues, if I recall, but. He's already been throwing a slider, and it's not even really been one he's used a lot of. Changeup has not been good either. Fastball has been atrocious. He had an eight ninety three slug on this on this four seamer last year, eight ninety three. That is ridiculous. Changeup three hundred six batting average against five twenty eight slug. Did miss well, bats thirty six percent clip, but man, I don't want anything to do with Coar. I I never understood the hype around him. I mean, I thought he was a decent pitching prospect, but I just, there's nothing 
hard hit rate around 50%. This, when you give up that much hard contact, don't miss enough bats, and walk too many guys, that's a recipe for a guy that's going to be DFA'd pretty damn soon here. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. I was I was looking on Twitter hoping to find some news on him, like working on something, and all I found was baseball cards of him. So, yeah, yeah that's good. never a good thing. You know, it is weird, like his pitch mix, like like just basically fastball change up, and that's really it. Like I'm not even counting. I mean, the slider 10% of the time, like whatever. I mean, he doesn't use it that often. I don't know. It's... I don't have much to add here because I just don't think there's any relevance at all, and I'm pretty out. Yeah, I, I said I don't. I wanted to find something in the profile, but again, it's another arm that Kansas City has not developed well, and I said the nothing is in the profile that makes me even remotely want to. Even if it's free, they're like, "Hey, I'll give you Coar." I'm like, "No, I'd rather find somebody else for that roster spot." I, just, I don't even want to use a roster spot on on Coar right now. This is so far away from being even remotely serviceable for fantasy purposes. So several more names. We got what? How many more names? Five more names on the list here. Ooh, next one. Sixto Sanchez, a guy that will not get off my prospect spreadsheet, even though <laughs> I want him to debuted back in 2020. And now we're in 2023 and he hasn't pitched since 2020. Now, we, we talked a good amount on Sixto. Obviously it's not the injuries, not listening to the Marlins. It's almost like he's like the, preteen that's trying to like revolt against his parents i don't i don't know what's going on with six though but you know all the reports from like craig mish who's obviously one very in tune with miami down there have not been promising i don't know chris obviously the stuff was good it was he's always been electric but the body is not good i don't know between the ears doesn't seem too good lately his decision making abilities but i don't know i'm still you can get him for free okay sure i want to see if he finally can figure it out and listen to the team. The stuff was pretty damn good. So that's what I'm holding on to. But the further he gets away from that 2020 debut and all the additional bad reports that we get makes me less and less in on him by the day. Yeah. You know, there was a video of him probably two weeks ago of him throwing and everybody freaked out. It was like, okay, he was throwing a baseball. Like you mean to go film myself throwing a baseball outside and, have the same effect. Like, no, you're probably throwing the same velocity. That's what was. I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, like, at least this time he was throwing probably like 50 versus like 20 that we saw that one time before. I can all. hit 50. I, at the, the guess your speed thing at New Hampshire ballpark, I was like this year, 60, like low to mid 60s. So yeah, I can throw that. Yeah. I probably couldn't because I have a, like a partially torn rotator cuff. So I don't think I could pull it off right now, but that's fair. It would it would hurt. I could do it. I might could do it, but it would hurt. I just don't want you, you, you could do it once. And then yeah, and then, you, you'd be uh, feeling it afterwards. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, Nick Forte was catching him apparently, and he said, "Looks good, looks loose, and looks fluid. I like where he's at." So who knows? Like, it's so hard to come back from two lost years like he had. I mean, it's like where everything just you know went by the wayside. And gosh, just think back to like 2020. Like he was a really solid arm when he came up as a rookie at 21. Yeah. And when we think about the potential, like he's never been a big bat misser. But I don't know. When you lose that, I mean, we're looking at three years since he's pitched at a game. And that's just highly, highly concerning. So until we see something in game and I actually see some velo on him, I'm just I'm I'm pretty out. I mean, like you said, he's on your prospect list still. The best solution is just to not rank him. Like I just took him out of 500, so I have to deal with it. Because well, he, he, he's still on the spreadsheet, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't. I, I still have a lot of names on that spreadsheet that I probably haven't pitched in years. That I need to delete that's off fair. of there, but that's another story. That's fair. Because to me, <laughs> like I'm, I keep watching this video, and I just like he's just. I don't know. I don't know what Forte's saying, but he didn't look <laughs> loose and fluid to me. Like he looks very stiff, and like I don't know. How much did Miami pay Forte to say that stuff? Yeah. Oh, right. he looks great. My my hand hurt after I caught him. Yeah, bull crap. Yes, that was some serious velo. Okay. All six sixty miles an hour of it or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean he's a he's got a long way to go still. So I'm I don't know. I mean, he's probably on waivers in some leagues. Yeah. Maybe probably. somebody's held on to him. I have no idea. But it's it's a weird spot to be in if you roster him for sure. 
Yeah, it, it definitely is. But I just keep going back to the stuff. Like the changeup is really good. He, he was p- pumping mid to upper nineties. Like four seamer was ninety five. S- excuse me, sinker was ninety six six. Like one of his similar pitchers to him was Sandy Alcantara and Max Free, which I don't yeah. really understand that one. That doesn't seem right. Anyway, but one of them was Sandy Alcantara, which I kind of can see. You know, they're kind of worse similar. A lot of similarities be- between the two, but obviously Sandy has pitched the most innings in baseball. I don't have to look that up. I just know. Sandy has most innings in baseball the last three years, and Sixto has not pitched in the last since 2020. So obviously, but gone two completely different directions since 2020. But you look at velocity and movement. Actually, no, I was looking at sorry, I was looking at batted ball profile. Velocity uh, and mo- <laughs> velocity and movement. This is a very impressive list. You want to hear? Th- this is probably the most impressive set of five I've ever seen for a pitcher on Savant based on velocity and movement. 2020 Sandy Alcantara, 2020 Luis Castillo. 2020 Dustin May, 2020 Jacob Degrom, and 2020 Kyle Wright. What? That is a quintet for the ages, right there. Yeah. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but this shows you like he was nasty. Yeah. And if he can get back to that, that's why I'm like still holding in a little bit of hope. But man, he's making it really tough on me over the last you know 12 to 18 months, where like, everything's been negative that we've heard about him. Anything positive has been like, oh, he's throwing the Nick Forte, throwing 50 miles an hour. <laughs> like, okay, that's, I guess it's not completely negative, but I won't call that a positive either. So, yeah, if you can get him for free, sure. But at this point, I wouldn't really give up anything of note to get him right now, at least until he shows that he can actually get back on the mound anytime soon. When is that going to be? I have no idea. Could he get back in the mound early part of the year, later, later in the year? Is he out again this year? I don't know. It's just so much, so many question marks with him that. Makes it makes him hard to target unless he is, you know, very, very cheap in dynasty, which he might be. Or like Chris said, depending on your depth of your league, he could be sitting out there in your waiver wire and maybe he's worth a shot. But we'll see. Sticking in the National League East, though, Ian Anderson, Chris, man, someone that was so good a couple of years ago in, in, in that postseason run, pitching so well deep into that postseason. And then since then, it's been like steady fall from grace. Uh, as you know, obviously, you're an Atlanta Braves guy. Do you have any hope for him remaining? Is he so fantasy relevant? What do you think? I do actually think he bounces back in a big way this year. He's competing with Soroka for the fifth spot and they're best friends. So I think it's going to bring out the best in both of them, actually. And you look and Anderson's rookie year in 2020, like really good, but much higher, like fifth in Sierra. And then in 2021, he was a 3580 RA, but a much higher FIP in Sierra. It almost just like all caught up to him because he like ran like lower BABIPs and had good strand rates. And then last year, it all kind of unraveled, as, as you know. But the interesting thing is like had the highest swinging strike rate of his career last year, but the K rate was down. So it was like some, some unluckiness, I'd say. In a way, he also walked more. I actually need to look and see, like, was his called strike rate just down? Like, what happened there? Because that's bizarre when you see that, but then you see the K rate drop so significantly. I I do think there's a a strong chance that he could bounce back. He kept the ball on the ground. He got a lot of swings and misses. But unfortunately, like, something was off, and I've just got to pinpoint what it was. He's still young. He's 24 years old. He spent all offseason in the Wake Forest pitching lab. Like, I mean, there's a strong chance that he's a fantasy relevant starter again. He's never been an elite guy, but I mean, very serviceable, I'd say, and with the exception of last year. So I'm willing to take a chance and, and see where it goes. Changeup's so good. And it's too good for him to continue to struggle like that, I think. So I'll I'll take a shot on him because he's going like pick 500 and redraft and probably dropped everywhere in dynasty at this point. So I certainly think he's worth a stab just to see where it takes him because I still believe to an extent. I do too, to an extent, but at the same time, I, I don't think he's going to get back to like the Anderson we saw back in, you know, early part of 2021. I think he's more, you know, maybe he's a run league average K rate. The walk rate's always been pretty high career 10.4 percent is 11 percent last year but i do think he can bounce back maybe you know around the four era type of guy low 20s key rate so again a guy that's kind of 
you know, back end fantasy arm. I just don't see a ton of upside for more. But what what you did sit were wondering the called strike rate did go down for him last year. It was 18.4% down to 15.3 down to 13.4 last year. So it has ticked down a bit over the last couple of years. But again, I think, yeah, I think he can be in his first pitch. First pitch strike rate went down as well. But at the same time, swinging strike rate is really held steady right around 12%, give or take either way. And the whiff rate also is kind of held right around 28.5%, which is above league average. Chase rate actually went up a little bit this past year. So I still think there's some, you know, I, I like the stuff. You watch him, you know, four-seamer, curveball, changeup. Changeup you know, is a pretty solid changeup. It has been for the last two years. Curveball was, you know, inconsistent, but showed some good characteristics. It's a decent enough whiff rate. But the fastball got hit around too much. So I, I still think there's a chance for a decent fantasy arm. Maybe an SP5, SP6. You know, I don't think anything higher than that. I, I don't think he could be a top 50 arm overall, but maybe like a top 75, top 80, top 100 arm, something in that range. So he, I think he is, in general, this is a long, long-winded way of me saying that I think he could be a decent buy low right now. Yeah. All right. I, I ordered these names completely wrong because we're going back to the Marlins with Trevor Rogers, another name that fell off, like Anderson, fell off pretty hard last year. You know, a guy that in 2021 was... You know, someone that we thought was on the verge of being a fantasy ace. I think he was drafted as such. I want to say entry 2022. I think he was like SP 13, 14, 15, something like that in the redraft ADP. And then all that got you was a 547 ERA over 23 starts. But with all the issues he had to deal with, all the personal issues and a couple injuries along the way, I still think like this might be, you know, I said that earlier about like, you know, Kopech that he was the biggest buy for me at that point in time in this, in this, episode that title now goes to trevor rogers i think he's a great bounce back whiff rates are still pretty solid with him you know he's never been a guy that strikes out 30 percent, but i think he'd be an above average k rate guy he was a 30 percent whiff rate guy each of the first two years at up to 25 percent last year gets good amount of chase as well i think he could be a guy you know mid upper three era 25 26 percent k rate guy something like that i think this definitely can be where he gets back to so yeah i'm definitely buying right now yeah he's probably the best bet to bounce back and i guess you can like it's safe to say like ask what went wrong last year and i don't know if it was a case where he kind of overperformed a bit and then significantly underperformed last year but i mean everything did kind of take a step back as far as like the fastball just became super hittable we saw a massive difference there in home runs, contact, batting average against. You know, the whiff rate dropped a little bit, but not significant. There's just more balls in play. And it was, you know, the, the exit velocity, average exit velocity from the four seamer went from 87.9 miles an hour to 92.4 last year. So he just got hammered on that pitch. It was probably like a location thing, if I had to guess. So I don't know, like looking at it, like it seems like that there's a strong case for a bounce back here. And I think that it, the cost to buy in is pretty reasonable to to get him. And so like I'm willing to take that chance that he does bounce back a bit, hopefully locates the fastball a bit better. There's just a lot of inconsistencies there. And if he does, then I think that there's a chance that maybe he's not like 2021 Trevor Rogers. But I think there's still a really solid arm in there. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I don't think he's bouncing back to what he was then. But I think there's a middle ground to be out here and a pretty solid fantasy arm. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely willing to buy back in. Two more names on the list here, starting with Luis Patino. He's one where I don't know what how I want to value Patino. He's just not been good at all. Last year, made six starts, 810 ERA, walked more than he struck out. He's another guy like Gore. They had the bigger leg kick. We've seen some inconsistencies with his mechanics as well. Has never really struck out as much as we kind of thought he would when he was coming up to the minor leagues. Obviously, he had you know, the pretty big fastball, good slider. He uses a sinker and a changeup as well. But the slider and the fastball both had a batting average against right around 365 last year. Slider has just not missed bats like, like we thought it would. And that those are really his two bread and butter offerings, fastball slider, and he'd mix in, you know, a couple others here and there. But nothing has really come to fruition with him. He's never really been able to put it all together. Even in, you know, I think he's in Tampa Bay. Oh, they can fix everybody. No, I guess maybe not. I'm not out on Patino fully, 
but I'm definitely like if I had to pick five guys from this list to buy back in on right now, he would not make my list. I, I'm kind of one foot out the door, but hoping that he can finally put it together. So I'm not two feet out yet, but definitely probably lower than most on Patino at this point. Yeah, I agree. I think that he probably he could fit better in like a bulk reliever type role. And I'm wondering if that's what he is, which just doesn't provide a lot of value for fantasy ultimately. Right. The Rays are kind of going to Ray. I mean, he did start six games last year, but it wasn't pretty. So there was nothing encouraging to me. It's like, okay, like we should buy back in. I mean, he, you know, significantly dropped the four seam usage by nearly 20%. He upped the slider usage. He upped the change up usage, like up the sinker usage. It's like, all right, where where were the results? Like you you changed your arsenal and it just didn't pay off. Everything kind of, and it was a small sample, but it seemed like everything kind of took a step back in some ways. Yep. And I just have to wonder if like he just is who he is. Like I hate to even say that because like even when the pitch mix changed, it was like, eh, like to me, it's just like he's a reliever profile. Like it's just the the arsenal just doesn't stand out to me. This point, he's had issues with injuries. Like, I don't know. Like, all the above kind of are the reasons that I'm out on him completely. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just don't see. Like, I, I'm not fully out, like I said, but I, I just don't see him ever getting to the point where, or even remotely close to where we thought he could be. And yeah, he's probably better off as, you know, pitching in a role that doesn't provide much fantasy value. Last name on the list is a guy that I'm also okay, man, we're ending on a bad note here. These guys are <laughs> both guys I'm just not in on, especially this guy. Matthew Libertor. He's a guy that I used to be in on a decent amount. Like I, said, I think I had him as my number two arm in that 2018 draft class behind Casey Mize. But outside of the curveball, the rest of the arsenal is just incredibly mediocre, and that's putting it nicely. Curveball, you know, 222 betting average against. 35% whiff rate, though it did have a 519 slug, give up a couple home runs off of it. The four-seamer is terrible. It's a bad 30-grade pitch. It's just not good. He started throwing a sinker last year. That was better, but, again, not that great. And you look at the command of it for a sinker. Go to go to Libertor's Savant page. Look at the sinker heat map. That is not what you want a sinker heat map no. to look like. No. Not at all. So, I don't know if it was his foolish goal that it was a 233 betting of a gigants on that. I don't know. I just, I don't see, he gets hit way too hard. 48% hard hit rate. Doesn't miss enough bats. Walks too many. I just, I'm out. I am fully out on Libertor. And it sucks that I used to like him. So, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't want anything to do with him in Dynasty Leagues, even if he's like cheap. Yeah, as you mentioned, it's just one good pitch and the fastball is just not good at all. So, can that change? Possibly, but outside the curve, there's not enough for me to like in the profile for me to say like, okay, like I have a, a reason to buy back in. And you know, the interesting, like the the comps of pitchers based on like velocity and, and movement or like Fried and Detmers are on there, which is interesting. I saw that. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. But the difference is like, I, I guess Fried just locates it so much better. Like Libertores doesn't have that command in my opinion like where he's leaving the sinker over the heart of the plate and getting destroyed and you know, even his curveball kind of got hit hard so despite the whiffs like when it, when contact was made you know it was kind of hit around a bit and ultimately like i think he's he kind of is like a durable guy but like he's just never going to be a standout like i think he could be a guy that throws a significant amount of innings Libertor just turned 23 this offseason, so I'm willing to give him a, a pass to an extent, but even AAA was a bit disappointing to the point where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, yeah. the the walk rates have kind of been all over the place throughout his career. It looked like he got better in 2021, and it just jumped back up this year. So for Libertor, like I'm, I'm just kind of out. Like it's still almost to do with him at this point. Yeah, same here. All right, we've talked about a lot of names, Chris. Let's wrap up the show with this. If you had to buy in on just three of these guys, give me like your first star, your second star, and your third star. Who would be the three you'd buy in on right now? Ooh, let's see. Let me look back at the list. I guess number one is probably Rodgers. I guess probably both. I feel like we're both going to end up saying that. So I'd go Rodgers, then I'd go Gore, 
And then it's kind of like a coin flip for me between Mitch Keller and Ian Anderson. But because Mitch Keller just has a clear path to pitch, I'll go with Keller. So, uh, yeah, I'll go. Rogers is one. I have a two, three, four cluster of Gore, Anderson, and Kopech. That, you know, and Gray kind of in that mix too. But I'll say Gore, two, Anderson, three. Was that the same you said? Rogers, Gore, Anderson? Yeah. And I, I said Keller. Okay. I'll go Rogers, Gore, Anderson. But yeah, Keller is kind of right there too. Gray, Kopech. But then that's a, a clear, and then it's a clear drop off. Like I, I'm not buying back in on Whitley, Lynch, Patino, Coar, Libertor. Those are all like I'm out pretty much. And then kind of in the middle, maybe a little bit of hope. Pearson, Casey Mize, Matt Manning, kind of like middle of the ground. But yeah, I think Rogers, Anderson, and Gore are my three. If I had to pick three, but that was a lot of fun. These last two episodes have been a, a blast to record. Talking about some, you know, obviously we talk about a lot about guys that go right. I think it's good to talk about guys that have not gone right and you know, how to value them and what to do with them moving forward. So this was a pretty fun duo of episodes this week. We hope you enjoyed them, but that is going to wrap us up for this episode. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again. Again, we hope you enjoyed it. I know we did join us again next time from dynasty and prospect talk, but until then everyone take care. Yeah.